the ANA Champions of Growth podcast. I'm Matthew Schwartz. When the CMO gets a funny, not-so-funny feeling sooner than expected that the new agency might not be working out, it's time to give a heads-up to procurement that the company may have to make a change. Not after the relationship with the agency has already gone sideways. On the flip side, procurement executives need to sometimes take on the role of therapist, asking their CMOs if they're happy or unhappy with how things are going in the day-to-day. These are just two examples of what marketers and procurement executives can do to cultivate a relationship that's fraught with challenges and defined by a fair share of push you, pull me. According to an ANA report released earlier this year, titled Procurement 2022, The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, the relationship between marketing procurement and procurement is getting better, but there still leaves a lot to be desired. Perhaps it's a question of maturity. The report emphasized that marketing procurement overall is still an adolescent, with the average marketing procurement department about 11 years old. And as we all know, that's a pretty confusing age, accompanied by an awful lot of growing pains. Here to discuss how to bolster the relationship between marketing and procurement is Sherry Olsh, Director of Indirect Procurement at the Hershey Company, whose brands include Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, Kit Kat, and Almond Joy. Sherry oversees marketing procurement, among other departments. Welcome. Sherry, thanks so much for being here. Hi, how are you? Good to see you. Sherry, initially I wanted to get a sense of how marketing procurement may be changing as supplier diversity has become so much more pronounced in the last few years. There's a variety of other areas that it's having impact. One of the big things with supplier diversity and the focus on it is we as an organization just tended to think of supplier diversity as who I'm spending directly with, where there's a whole other level of spend called tier two spending which is who I'm spending with who may not be diverse, but who are they spending with and how can I influence them to look at diverse suppliers? So I think just really understanding tier two spend and how we can influence and impact on that is a change. The other thing is to really kind of focus beyond the core itself to find diverse suppliers. Indirect procurement or marketing procurement, we're not necessarily the budget holders. We need to influence our stakeholders in their decisions and who they're looking at. That's been a big change too, is education and influence. We really want to understand, do we have the right representation within agencies on our accounts that really kind of cover across who all of our consumers are. Those are some of the big things that have really changed in the last couple of years. In terms of moving the needle here, has the Hershey Company developed any new and specific protocols to expand its aperture when it comes to hiring diverse suppliers? Yes. My goals this year have supplier diversity in them. So my goals that impact my bonus financially have very specific supplier diversity goals in them this year. And that's new? Yes. We both have qualitative goals and we have quantitative goals along the way. That has been exciting, trying to, first of all, figure those goals out, how they best make sense, setting goals that are attainable but are stretched. As part of that, though, is we've really gone back and done a really good, strong review of what our existing spend looks like. We've partnered above and beyond from before with WeBank and NMSDC, some of those key organizations you need to be partnered with. We are also working with a company called Tealbook that's helped us to really kind of track spending, be able to have some self-certification and other things out there. Heightened awareness across the organization overall. And this all falls not just as a standalone uh, supplier diversity is within our ESG program. 
So lots of different things have been taking place. We have always worked to spend with diverse suppliers, but it's becoming more codified and across the organization. In regard to the ANA report, which I referred to in the introduction, the study showed that the relationship between marketing, procurement, and marketing has improved, but still leaves a lot to be desired. From a bird's eye view, what do you see as the most pressing challenges in the relationship? One of the big, big things is just that connection. A relationship just doesn't happen. You have to build the relationship. That is really key that marketing procurement teams are actively building the relationships with marketing and that marketing procurement teams are also helping marketing to understand what value that they bring. You can't make the assumption that marketing, oh, I know what you do. I understand the value you bring. In a way, you have to bring yourself and bring that forward to them. The other thing is just open dialogue back and forth. Procurement is there to ask the questions, to push a little bit, but all in the understanding of that we're in this together and moving forward together. We're not there as a roadblock at all whatsoever. So in addition to codifying things, you really need people to be curious, to reach mm-hmm. out, to be proactive yeah. in terms yeah. of what do you do, even yep. if you have to use hand puppets to describe exactly <laughs> what you do so I can uh, yeah. understand it better for the greater good. It's an understanding. It's an understanding that you need to understand their business and they need to understand what you bring to them and and your business itself too. It really is a lot of relationship work. And that's actually worked very well for us at Hershey because we're very purposeful about developing those relationships. What's your take on the study's results regarding the rates for marketing procurements performance with specific disciplines? For instance, media was rated most successful by procurement mm-hmm. by a wide margin. 75% of respondents characterized performance in media as very successful or successful. But there were mm-hmm. several disciplines with gaps, many, mm-hmm. many of them significant, including strategy and ideation, sponsorship, and experiential marketing. What do you attribute to why some of those gaps are so big? And how do both sides work to start to reverse things? Well, media is your biggest spend. So it's your biggest spend. It's where people are going to most focus. Mm-hmm. So are you going to put your resources towards that? So you're going to tend to, I know in our organization, we have a subject matter expert in procurement, and he's focused on media and what we call Digicom. He is very focused in those areas. And those areas, it sounds simple, media and Digicom, but there's just very complex. He is very focused in those areas, has built long-term relationships, continues to build the relationships. And I think that is where it's a bit easier to have that more direct connection because more focused in a specific area. When you go beyond that, and each marketing procurement group is is going to be separate and how they're set up and all that sort of piece. But then I think you move into that your marketing procurement team member may have to cover a variety of categories. They're going to have to prioritize. They're going to have to maybe give one category a little bit more love and focus than another category along the way. It also depends on the marketing procurement team and how comfortable they are with some categories. It's a combination of how much time do I have to apply to different categories? Am I comfortable with those categories? Are they categories that I can quickly and easily learn about? Are they categories that I have the ability to look at benchmarks? Are they categories where I can have good reference points? 
Um, and I think that that has a lot to do with it when you you come down to the categories that are a bit smaller, the spend is a bit smaller. You don't necessarily have as strong of a connection as you do in your big spend categories. And I'm thinking for us, the big spend categories are going to be more in media and promotional agencies and creative agencies and those sorts of things. Is it a talent question in terms of having that expertise in these various buckets? Is there a larger question here about talent and recruitment? Some of it is, have you as an organization decided to set every single area up as a subject matter expert area? In some organizations, you're going to have one or two that are going to be subject matter experts, and you may have one or two positions that are probably maybe a little bit more of a developmental position that people come in for a couple of years and move on. Mm -hmm. They may be well, well versed in procurement, but not as much of a subject matter expert in the marketing area. So it, okay. it really is going to depend on each of the, um, each company, each company is going to be a little bit. And that sort of plays into my next question, Sherry, which is mm -hmm. what's better, a marketing procurement person who comes from an area other than yeah. marketing or someone who comes from an agency or marketing background and moves into marketing procurement? I can't say one is better than the other, right? I, re I really can't. In the end, it's the person. You need to be really purposeful when you select people to come into marketing procurement. You need to, of course, look at the resume and look at the experience and that sort of stuff, but really look at the person and the softer skills the person has. Is this person a continuous learner? Our subject matter expert who's on the media side, he came from direct materials. I mean, and he was in the electronics industry. He is very much a continuous learner. And when he came into this area, he really focused on learning and really broadening out and had the passion to become a subject matter expert in that area. So it's really a couple of things that I look for. Are they a continuous learner? Do they have strong influence skills? Because everything in here is around influence. Are they a good listener? That's key. Are they someone who's creative? Because it's a little bit of left brain, right brain. Do they deal well with gray? Because there's a lot of gray. Are they curious? Which is a little bit different than a continuous learner. And then do they have really strong business acumen? And when it comes to agency client relations, Sherry, how do brands bridge this fundamental difference between procurement, looking at agencies as, a, as an investment to be optimized, mm -hmm. and agencies looking at the buy as an expense that needs to be minimized? Actually, I think we need to flip that. I think we need to flip that in the conversation here because what people say procurement looks at and what people believe procurement looks at is they believe that procurement only looks it as an expense that needs to be minimized. Marketers and agencies, on the other hand, are always going to look at it as an investment to be optimized. Traditionally, the view of people is that procurement is just trying to cut costs. And marketers and agencies are saying we're trying to grow the business. So it's cost and it's growth. So if you look at those two things and how can you reconcile that? Well, part of that goes back to what is the philosophy of your company? Some companies' philosophy is cost reduction, cost reduction, cost reduction, and that's all procurement delivers. If that's the company they're working in, that is what it is. The company that I work in and a variety of other companies do look at procurement as bringing value and value is a bigger, broader umbrella. Cost minimization, cost and return is part of value, but there's a variety of other things. Is there process optimization? Is there better ways of working? Is there uh, just a different way to look at structuring the relationship? 
Is there different sorts of compensation models that you want to do? That's all within value. And that's where we look at it. We look at it in value and cost is just a component of value. Sometimes cost is not even bought into play in the, you know, as you dial up and down the components of value. It's really driven by how your organization looks at things. Sounds like give a little, get a little. One of the most critical metrics in procurement, going back to the ANA study, is that of quote unquote relationship health. What is meant specifically by relationship health? And why is it not so healthy from the agency standpoint these days? People define it differently. Very nebulous term. Like what is relationship health? And I think also too, and, and we know in the survey that was done, the agencies who were surveyed were not necessarily the agencies who worked with the procurement professionals who were surveyed. So you have a bit of a disconnect in that. And we all know that as part of the survey, because there was not, you know, these are my agencies, they are reviewing me and I'm reviewing myself. That's going to cause a little bit of the disconnect here. But I also think is, do you have clearly defined goals? with your agency about how you want to have a healthy relationship. Do you have goals that the agency kind of lays out like simple racy, racy layouts? Like who's responsible for what? Who's consulted? Who's informed? All, all of those other sorts of things that really help the ways of working. If you don't have that laid out really well, then I think your relationships are going to tend to have disconnects along the way. But that all has to be really kind of ironed out when you first on board with each other. Mm-hmm. And then you need to have those conversations on a regular and consistent basis, which we do with our agents. That's really kind of key around it. But if you don't have that and you're not really talking to each other, you'll always be on a disconnect as far as the health of the relationship. Is the onus on the marketer, on the client to over communicate with the agency? You don't set it and forget it with an agency. You can't do that. And this is also where procurement can work and help with the marketer because procurement sees both sides. Procurement sees the agency and they see the marketer and they see how they interact together and can really provide any kind of feedback in general. Marketers need to manage and nourish that relationship on an ongoing basis. An agency-client relationship is a marriage. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, and sometimes it's just okay. But if you don't proactively manage it, then it's not going to be able to work at its fullest capability. Stay with us. There's more to come. We now take a break for a brief message regarding ANA Newsstand. The ANA produces four in-house publications covering the latest developments and trends in B2C, B2B, brand purpose, and across the industry at large. With practical insights from leading brand marketers, agency partners, and industry experts, our publications are designed to give marketers the real-world intelligence they need to drive growth and boost their value. Find the publications at ana.net slash newsstand. And now back to our show. Welcome back. I'm speaking with Sherry Olsh, Director of Indirect Procurement at the Hershey Company regarding marketing procurement. Sherry, I wanted to pick up on a Hershey case study featured in the ANA report titled Embrace the Role of Servant Leader. Mm-hmm. How does that manifest itself from an operational standpoint? We'll specifically call out Kevin McCollum on my team, who's our subject matter expert in media and Digicom. How does it come to pass? He talks about a variety of different tenants and, and relationships around that. And just kind of thinking about the integration and the partnership and things like that, Kevin is in the staff meeting on a regular basis. So fully versed about what's happening, what's going on. That's a key along the way. And actually before COVID, we literally sat in with the marketers. 
they were right next door to us, which was really another great integration before COVID. Obviously now we spend more time doing what we're doing here. One of the other big, big things is we just recently went through in the last couple of years, a pitch for our media agencies. And we were in the partnership on that from day one. And in fact, we bought consultant to our head of media and said, we want to do a pitch, but we're not ready for it. We think this is a consultant who could really help us get to the next level on this and introduce them to him. Everything really worked out very well with that. We were able to really kind of do a review of were we ready to go to a pitch? And then once we got the findings back from that, we made some adjustments that we needed to. And the media team did in their organization, then went back out and said, all right, we're ready. But that was us working together in that early stages with our head of media. And then we utilized a pitch consultant who did a very, very good job for us. And that worked out really well. We still were responsible for it, but we had this consultant who helped us. And we work with the marketing team and the media team and all the other appropriate stakeholders. What's even more rewarding based on the relationships that we built, we actually had a seat at the table when it came to voting on who we should end up with. And that's very unusual that you're going to find. Did the consultant, I wonder, provide some more adhesion that might not have been there without this person? Media pitch is a big undertaking. It's a really, really, really big undertaking. For us, it made the most sense to bring a consultant in to help us because we all had our own jobs to do, had the pitch to do, and then there was a lot of things that we needed to just happen underlying as part of the whole pitch process that our people who were subject matter experts needed to focus on certain pieces of it but didn't necessarily need to project manage it. The consultant that we use also bought a lot of good experience and best practicing mm-hmm. and some strategic thought starters for us. It was a good mix. Regarding the case study, one of the manifestations that stood out for me was you having an intimate knowledge of the company's investment strategy. And that gives you a lot of credibility with internal stakeholders who you consider a partner. And mm-hmm. this seems to be a sort of a microcosm with what's going on in the marketing and the industry writ large. Mm-hmm. I mean, is that really half the battle vis-a-vis hiring agencies and getting involved early in renegotiations of contracts and RFPs for new business needs, for instance? First of all, you have to connect early. The earlier you connect, the better. It is never good when marketing shows up at your doorstep and says, oh, I want someone on board in 30 days. Can you help us? Yeah, we can get someone on board in 30 days for maybe a small activation or that sort of stuff. But for the big, big things, we need to be back much earlier in the process. We need to work to understand, you know, what is your strategy? What are you really looking for? Why are things maybe not working out with the incumbent? Who should we really be looking for? Who should be that slate that we want to bring in? Who are the diverse suppliers out there that we should look at? It's a much bigger piece that we need to work on. And sometimes it's just tell us that you think you got something coming up in quarter two or quarter three. We get it on our radar. A lot of times we just start doing a little bit of homework here or there and and make the connections in. So that's really, really important. Important. The other thing too is goal alignment. Mm-hmm. We want to know and understand what your uh, focuses are for 2023. And then we need to understand where our goal alignment fits in there. If our goals are going one way and your goals are going the other way, it's not going to work. Marketing is our client. And as such, we advise as you would any client. Marketing is not our customer. They're our clients. So that's one of the big things that we look at. 
Is that mindset you think tend to be underestimated? You say someone's your customer, the customer's already right, always right. If you say someone's your client, that doesn't mean they're always right. It doesn't mean they're wrong. It means that you work together in a relationship that has a mutual benefit for mm-hmm. a win. It's not a this versus that. That's really kind of key along the way. We don't peanut butter spread things. When it comes to an RFP, there's not just one standard RFP and that's all we use. We really look and understand what are the needs? Is this something that's a 30 day, a 45 day, a 90 day, a six month, however long? I mean, media is totally different than some of the other pieces. We don't look to send something out with a hundred questions in it. We do things that make sense to collect the types of information we need to make a decision and not just to collect information. So is it a more living, breathing RFP? I would say, yeah. I mean, there's certain things are basic in it that we push along the way, but you know, we work with our clients to really understand what it is that they need, what it is that the process should be. Sometimes the processes may have a a proof of concept component to it, depending Mm -hmm. on what it is. Sometimes it may have creative shootout or creative assignment or or that sort of stuff. It's going to depend on the individual categories and how things are best managed through it. But it's not a just one size fits all. And the study also showed a program at Hershey enables the company to communicate with agencies and vendors with a unified voice and pick and choose where and when to employ the necessary strategy of good cop, bad cop. Mm-hmm. I could elaborate on that a little bit. We each play a role and we, we need to be coordinated in the roles that we're playing in the relationship. There's certain points where the marketer may need to deliver a message that's a little tougher, but it may be better delivered through the marketing procurement person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The agency has, uh, the, the marketer has that day-to-day relationship. It may best be delivered through marketing procurement, but delivered in a way that Sometimes it's rehearsed. Sometimes it's rehearsed ahead of time to figure out, okay, this is how we're going to deliver it. This is how the meeting's going to run. This is how we want to be able to present ourselves to the agencies. So I think that's really important. The other thing too is sometimes marketers will find is they're in the depth of it. They're working with that agency day in and day out. They may be unhappy about something, but if we look at it, it's kind of like, well, why are you unhappy about that? and dig a little bit deeper to understand what's causing it. So sometimes it's almost like you're a therapist. What's what's causing it? We're not maybe being as efficient or effective, or we could have a better ways of working that's kind of tripping up the agency, or is it that the agency needs a better way of working with us? You know, just those sorts of things to look more broadly and bring that together. But you can't helicopter it. I mean, the no. relationship, the no. relationship has to be strong no. and has to, there has to be yes. a bond in that relationship yes. to begin with, correct? There has to be a bond in the relationship with you and the marketer, and there has to be a level of connection with you and the agency. And again, in some categories, it doesn't make any sense to have that because there are short one-time projects over and done and on to another thing, but in a longer term strategic relationship. But that's also how Hershey looks at its strategic relationships across everything within the Mm -hmm. organization. And as we start to wrap up, Sherry, I want to talk about the proliferation of in-house agencies as a component Mm -hmm. here. Hershey launched its uh, in-house agency, C-Suite, 2017. Uh, The agency started out handling social media content for smaller brands such as Jolly Rancher and Rolo but now handles social advertising for all of the company's brand. Mm-hmm. How has that dynamic changed marketing's overall standing with marketing procurement? 
Is it easier? Does it present a different set of challenges with the company? When we first started the concept of C-suite, it was definitely a challenge. The first time we did direct production, we decided to do it and we did it in England. So we couldn't have added any more difficulty on top of it. But we learned a lot from that, both the marketing team, my team, the legal team. And then we really sat down and we we did a postmortem. What worked? What didn't work? What do we need to change? What's the process? How long is this going to take? How much risk are we willing to accept? How should we contract? What's the best practices? We use a production cost consultant who was very helpful for us also on that. He is since we met that challenge as a team together. And we really then set up very focused ways of working between the groups, the consultant, us, legal, and the marketing D-suite team. So what are the ways of working? What's the racy behind that? How are we going to manage risk and flexibility? Because if I'm contracting directly, it's a whole different ballgame than I need mm-hmm. to look at. And mm-hmm. I was actually just talking about it this morning with our contracts admin team who supports us in this area. It just works. It just works now. But we worked on it to get it to the right point, And we continue to work on it with the relationships internally to make it happen. So constantly evolving, constantly yeah. working out the kinks, et cetera, yes. to, to, build, to build a better mousetrap. Has the growth of C-suite led to reducing the number of outside agency the company brings in? And do you see that accelerating across the industry? At the same time that we were doing C-suite, we were doing some resets in other areas and we're making decisions about how many agencies that we wanted to use for our larger brands. But that was not because of C-suite. That was already happening where we wanted to go strategically with that. And then, as I said, we've kind of layer caked it up to the larger agencies, larger brands, and then kind of mid-sized agencies with our medium-sized brands and then C-suite. For us, there was other things that we were working on during the same time period. So I wouldn't say that C-suite caused So has not, so in the last few years, not a net net loss in agencies? We were making adjustments in the number of agencies before C-suite. We had more agencies for our brands and we've consolidated down to agencies now covering multiple brands. And now we're going to move to our lightning round, Sherry, which is what is the most important challenge facing CMOs right now? Data. How so? There's so much data and what are you going to do with the data and how are you going to resource against that data and how are you going to train your marketers in the use of that data and what's going to be the return from the data itself? I think that's the biggest challenge today. Okay. And we'll have to leave it there. Thanks so much to my guest today, Sherry Ulsh, Director of Indirect Procurement at The Hershey Company. To learn more about Hershey's marketing efforts, go to theHersheyCompany.com. If you would like to recommend a guest or topic for a future episode, please email me at mschwartz at ana.net and be sure to, to subscribe to Champions of Growth wherever you listen to podcasts. That's all for now. I'm Matthew Schwartz. Thanks for listening.